Hey, Coach. How's it going? Chris, what a wild time we're living in. Yeah, it, it sure is. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know. Well, what are your thoughts on on everything that's been going on? Uh, we don't want to get political on here. We're we're offering escape, but um, what are your some of your thoughts? I want to hear from the young people on this. Oh my gosh, I don't even know where to start. I'm um, putting you. I'm putting you on the spot, man. I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> All right. Um, well, I mean, it's wrong, basically. I mean, what the police are doing to really, you know, innocent people like George Floyd and. Mm-hmm. The barbecue guy and you know there's countless others so that there's that and as much as the looting and rioting is might seem wrong i think we should spend more of our focus on the lives that were lost rather than buildings which mm-hmm. you know i'm not condoning what they're doing to the buildings but if you really think of the big picture you know it's think at the end of the day what's really more important than a building right that makes sense mm-hmm. oh. yeah you know but no i i think they're you know they're doing one of their constitutional rights and you know it's good for them i hope they keep it going until they get justice so yeah well um uh like i said uh let's you know the purpose of this podcast and it kind of falls in line uh with uh, a little bit of some of the some some things that were said last week on last week's show the purpose of our podcast is to bring some positivity to the game of soccer right uh while i don't want to get political uh I, but at the same time uh i think that's part of the problem sometimes you know saying the right thing all of a sudden uh, somehow be, it gets twisted into a political statement. Um, there are, there are bad representatives of every, of every group. Um, there are bad teachers. There are bad doctors. There are bad police officers. There are bad, you name it. There are people in those lines of work that are, that are bad. And, um, it's entirely okay. Here's here's the message I want to get out. It's entirely okay for you to say the actions of a few should not represent everybody. And I think that's the case with the police officers. I think that's the case with the protesters. Um, I have I have family that's in law enforcement. I have friends that are in law enforcement. I have former players that uh, may or may not be listening tonight that are in law enforcement. I have former players that are in the National Guard. Um, I have, uh, I have friends that, uh, are on opposite sides of the political fence from me and to use a coaching term, um, those people are my teammates. They're my, they're my, they're friends. They're, you know, the guys that, uh, used to play for me that have long since graduated. They're still my guys. I still worry about their safety. Um, so, I think, you know, as soon as America realizes, hey, we're all on the same team. <laughs> right. Uh, we're all on the same team. Uh, and we we have an obligation. It's not a choice. Somewhere along the way, uh, it, it, people decided it was a choice. No, 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 no. As American citizens, we have an obligation to meet a certain expectation, and that is to take care of each other, to look exactly. out for each other. Um, don't care what side of the political fence you're on. If you're my teammate. I'm helping pick you up when you get knocked down. Uh, uh, it, 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 that's just that's just all there is to it. Um, I don't know any other way to put it, and we don't have enough of that going on right now. Um, I'm terrified that that's the plan. <laughs> I'm terrified that that's the plan of our leadership. But like I said, we're not going to get into politics. Um, this is meant to be an escape, right? Exactly. And, yeah. And one thing, and one thing, we're doing with step to the ball soccer training one thing i want to do a step to the podcast is i am and i encourage everybody else to do this you need to think about what your gifts are what your talents are and i'm I'm talking to everybody that's listening all 28 people that are going to listen to this (laughs) (laughs) think about what your talents and your gifts are and you need to it is time now is the time for you to apply them it's past time one of the biggest problems we have is that we wait until something horrible happens, and then we say, it's time. No, 
it's past time. Now we're doing damage control. Take this opportunity now as the time for you to take your talents and your gifts and apply them for the good of the world. How can you use what you're offering to help your neighbor out? How can you use that talent or your gift to help your neighbor out? Don't ask what their uh, don't ask what their political affiliation is. Don't worry about their religion, their race. How can what you have to offer help other people out? Um, I've been thinking a lot about how I can what I can do with with my soccer training, uh, Chris. I, you know, I already had plans in place to go uh, uh, over to Fairdale next year and uh, do a camp. Um, uh, but I also think I'm about to, uh, I think we're going to go ahead and do a camp over, uh, somewhere over on the West end. Uh, now it's probably not going to be able to happen until 2021 and that's okay. Um, thanks Corona. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I, I want to use my gifts to help the situation. And I think, I think in this case, soccer can, as in my experience, soccer unites people look at my teams at Fairdale seven different nationalities, 10 different nationalities in different years. Look at, look at your all's uh, squad over at Butler. And, and those are just a couple examples. We have a lot of schools like that. It can work. If it can work on a soccer team, simply because those boys no longer see each other as Africans, Hispanics, Americans, they see each other as teammates and they're going to go pick each other up when they get knocked down. You know, they're going to go celebrate with one another when there's a goal. All of us, so it's my experience that soccer can unite people, and I hope we, uh, I hope this can be what we're offering here can be a step towards that. You got me off on a social studies rant, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I just thought I had something for for those listening. Please don't tune out just because we're talking about this. You know what's going on in the world. Just kind of stay tuned because it seems like we got a really good uh, addition tonight. We've got an awesome show tonight. This thing's jam packed. Yeah, so for those listening, don't tune out just because we give a few seconds, you know, a few minutes of our thoughts. Just keep on listening. Nah, nobody's tuning out. Nobody's that. Nobody, uh, no soccer fan is that dumb. <laughs> exactly. <So. sighs> All right, man. Well, let's go ahead and get started. I'm ready. So. All right. Okay, so we're talking about tonight. You're talking about the your first season as a head coach at uh, Warren East. I almost said Warren Central there. <laughs> oh, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> I always get them mixed up. I'm not sure why. It's just so many, you know, east, central, north, you know, whatever. It all seems the. For some reason, I never had a hard time mixing those two up, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's let's kind of jump into this. Uh, what? How are you planning to lead the program as you know a first year head coach? And what was the sort of the tradition like? Since you've already was there as assistant, I mean, how did that factor into the tradition or the transition of moving into head coach? Well, um, I honestly thought it was going to be a smoother transition than what it was. Um, I felt like in my year as an assistant coach, I developed a lot of goodwill with uh, the younger players, their families. So I felt good. You know, we had those younger players coming back, and I thought we had a chance to win seven or eight games. I really believe that. Uh, On paper, uh, all 11 starting spots were going to be filled. Um, And when you add in the conditioning program I was bringing in, uh, I had a lot of reason to be optimistic. The transition was smooth, was smooth in some ways. Um, like I said, these were kids that I coached in JV from the year before. We'd won a few games, um, so I thought that could translate. Unfortunately, every other team in our district that year besides Glasgow had, be- had brought everyone back. And keep in mind, Greenwood was coming off the state runner-up finish, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Bowling Green was a year away from a state championship. Uh, so, um, but I wanted to lead the program with an interest in building it. Uh, and that just hadn't happened with previous coaches. Um, uh, I knew we were going to be underdogs. Uh, that's what, you, that's kind of what you sign up for when you go to East. Um, but I wanted to embrace that. I, I felt like if we could get to a point where every team on the schedule knew they were getting a battle and not an automatic W against Warren East, you know, East had, for a long time had been, has been one of those teams you see on the schedule and you circle as a win. You put W next to that before the season even starts. I wanted to change that. Um, And I felt we could with the group of kids we had. Um, Now, would we get to that goal eventually? I believe we did. Uh, But it turns out that um, it was going to take two or three years to fully develop that. Okay. So uh, you all went 0-11, is that right? 
Actually, I think it was worse than that. Hang on. You know, for years, I thought it was 0-13-2, and and I'm looking at the stupid KHSAA yeah, record book because, you know, the record, because, you know, the records don't lie, right? And right. it's got us at 0-14-3, and and which I would love to know where that third tie came from. So, yeah. but whatever. Yeah. So what, do, what do you think the reason was for not getting a win that year? Well, glad we have a lot of time on here. Uh, uh, it, man, it takes a lot to go against you to have a winless season, but a lot was going against us. Um, you got to start with the competition in your district. At that time, there couldn't have been a tough, tougher district in the state. I don't care about St. X Emanuel. You got Bowling Green, Greenwood, and Warren Central. Those are three perennial top ten programs in the state at that time. Um, like I said, Greenwood was just coming off state runner-up. Uh, Bowling Green was a year away from the state title. Um, Central could have won. Central could Warren Central at that time could have gone to just about any other region in the state and and won and won it very easily. Um, they were they were always good, They're talented, big, fast. Um, and you know, Glasgow is always usually solid, either, even though they were down that year. Um, in Barron County was about to take a big leap forward with their program. And then there was us at East. We were replacing eight seniors from a team that already had a light roster to begin with. Um, I'm 21 in the new coach. <laughs> uh, what can you sell to players and parents facing those obstacles? I mean, think about it for a second, Chris, uh, put yourself in a coach's shoes. You know, there's very, you got like a 1% chance at best of, of winning the district. How do you motivate the kids? Uh, stuff. So when you have programs that are pretty much buried by district competition and when you get little from their school, motivation becomes a huge struggle. I think the motivation is going to be the key word here for a little bit. Um, and I think we see that with some programs here in Louisville. I think, I think mail is a great example. Mail should be a top 10 team every year. Um, but look at their district. Right. So Say it's that. really it. correct. So man, it's, it's hard to keep kids motivated when they know there's a really, really good chance their last game of the season is going to be first round of districts. And I hate that. Uh, you could probably throw Wagner into that group. You could probably throw Seneca and Atherton into those groups as well. I mean, look who they get to face in the first round of districts every year. So um, it's borderline unfair. I wish there was a way to um, to avoid that. Um it's just tough to keep kids motiv- uh, to keep kids motivated if you, they know or think they don't have a chance to win a championship, and that was the attitude at East. I mean, there ain't any way around that, um, at least on the soccer front. Uh, we didn't get much done in July. We'd have we had about five or six players per practice. Um, that's not going to get it done. It was really hot that summer too. I remember um, our good days. We had ten kids at practice, um, but I was dumb in scheduling uh, three o'clock practices. I don't know what I was to this day. I can't remember why I did that. Maybe it had something to do with my, uh, my work, my work schedule at the WKU bookstore. I don't know. Um, but why I scheduled three o'clock practices and then expected people to show up. I, I I don't know what I was thinking. Um, that's, it's dumb and it's still dumb. So, I mean, yeah, today you got, I mean, you got coaches that have jobs outside the school and they have to practice at that time. I get that. But if you can avoid it, avoid it. Um, you know, we practice in the morning at Fairdale religiously. I, I had zero interest in going in the afternoon. Um, you're competing with jobs for the players. You're competing with the heat index. At this, even though at this time in 2005, we were still a year away, I believe, from uh, having heat index rules, believe it or not. And you're competing with vacations. So, uh, but if you don't win July – you're two weeks behind everyone else from a conditioning and routine standpoint. Um, and then of course, never mind the talent gap that's already there between the schools. Um, I've developed a phrase over the last few years, bad things happen to bad teams. Uh, you got to have high standards with your program because if things aren't good, if they're bad to me, you're a bad team. And that's where unlucky injuries come into play. That's where, when bad or horrendous calls start happening, uh, basically this is when the unthinkable happens. Uh, if it can go wrong, it will go wrong. And we had a lot of that happen. <laughs> it, it, it was just one thing after another. It was frustrating. Zero luck. 
<laughs> so what what kind of kept you all going? I mean, you and just the players in general. Ooh, um, you know, those kids deserve a ton of credit. Um, I don't know if they ever got the right uh, – I don't know if they ever got their due amount. Um, but there was something else. Uh, we'd be getting embarrassed, made fun of by some – some opponents would make fun of us when they were beating us like 8, 9, 10, nothing. Uh, <clears throat> Franklin Simpson. Um, getting ruled, ridiculed at school, the kids did. And I went through that when I was in high school too, so I was able to empathize with them on that. But they didn't come out complaining about that. they just come out – you know, at, especially when school started, they'd come to the locker room and they'd gear up for practice. There was, I mean, I'm sure they were carrying around that frustration with them. I know they were. Um, but they'd come back for more the next practice in every game. Um, yeah, Chris, or, uh, have you seen uh, the Captain America movies or the Avengers movies? Uh, I haven't seen them in full. Oh. I've seen like clips. Dude, dude. But one of the things that Captain America does when he's in a fight, or, uh, I think it, he does it in the first movie, and you see him do it in the Avengers movies, he says, oh, I can do this. He gets, he's getting beat up on. He gets up, back up, has his fists up. He says, I can do this all day. And that was those kids. I mean, that was my kids at East. Um, that was that group. Uh, they deserve so much credit that I don't think they ever got because of that. Um, so that's one thing I'm proud of from that season. Um, nowadays, when things are going so nowadays when things are going wrong for my teams, right? Uh, I tell them we keep working hard and we stick together. And that 2005 team is they set the standard for that. They gave me that to pass on to my other teams. Um, and that's always been the expectation. When things are going bad, you know, we pull a Warren East. We stick together, and we keep working hard. And my groups at Fairdale have been able to pull themselves out of some holes because of that. Um, now, as far as what kept me going, it was a mixture of things. The players' persistence, for sure. The players just – once school started, the players just kept showing up. Now, we didn't have a lot. That was the big problem. Um, and the guys we did have were just not very developed as soccer players. But they kept showing up. So that that kept me that kept me moving. Um, and I think that would keep any coach going. But you also have to remember, I came into my coaching career with something to prove. And I still have a lot to prove, I feel like. Um, I never shook it off that I wasn't voted captain of my high school team my senior year. I stayed pissed off about that. I, it still irks me. I'll be 40 years old in four years, and that'll still make me mad. Uh, I was told I was too young to be a head coach. I was told I'd be too small to lead a group of high school boys. And, oh, by the way, I'm the coach at Warren East, the only boy soccer coach in Bowling Green that wasn't in the loop in regards to what was going on with the club teams. That pissed me off for me and my players. So with every game we lost, I'd get more and more pissed off and prioritize the necessary improvements as we went along. Um, uh, I'd look and see, you know, coaches at other schools rolling out 11 club players in their starting lineup, and I was having to actually teach the game, in which I take a lot of pride of, by, uh, by the way. And I'm not insinuating that those coaches weren't teaching soccer. I'm not insinuating that. I'm not going to dare suggest they just roll the ball out and let the kids play. Um, I know that happens in a lot of schools. Um, I don't think it was happening at Bowling Green. You know, Craig Widener won over 200 games for a reason. Scott Gural has won. Sean Hellowell, uh, they've won probably somewhere between 100 and 200 games for a reason, right? But it still made me mad <laughs> that, you know, I, I'm the one teaching out here, but they're getting all the wins. It just it infuriated me. So I'd get pissed off all over again. And uh, on a cheesier note, um, I'm a huge Batman nerd, and um, his character is a vigilante, and a big part of my coaching purpose is to make sure kids have a great experience playing soccer, since I didn't in high school, for the most part. Um, so even though we weren't winning, I, feel st- I still felt it was my responsibility to make sure the kids had a great experience. Um, Batman Begins came out that year, and that movie has so many great messages in it, right? Have you ever seen it? I might have. I, I used to watch like reruns of the Adam West Batman. <laughs> personally, my favorite. <laughs> okay, you need to go back and watch the the, the Nolan verse of, of Batman's, but whatever. But Batman Begins has so many great messages in it, and there's a scene where the commissioner is on the walkie-talkie with Jim Gordon, you know, Commissioner Gordon, and he's saying there's no one left to send in when Gotham City is falling apart towards the end of the movie, and then at that moment, the Batmobile comes out of nowhere to drive right into where the trouble was in Gotham. And that's kind of how I looked at my purpose at East. Nobody else was wanting to go there. I got that job at 21 because nobody else wanted any part of it. 
Um, I went in when nobody else would. Um, and that's not me bragging on myself. I, you know, I, I kind of wanted that. <sighs> so I ended up making a career out of that. Um, and then finally, one of my favorite movie quotes of all time comes from that movie. Why do we fall? So we can learn to pick ourselves up. I reminded myself of that quote every night when I was down on myself. And then I'll also throw this story in. Um, when I see, we played our first game against Warren Central, right? And we got mercy ruled 10 nothing. We were down 6 nothing at the half. And I think they finished us off like 10 minutes into the second half. And um, I got back to my apartment that uh, I was subleasing. I mean, like, I was, I, I think. Th- in order to coach that summer, I had to sublease a room in an apartment, and I slept on a floor. I did. There was like a, a mattress. It wasn't even my mattress either. It was like a mattress that, that was left behind. So God knows what was on it, right? And um, so I go back to you know my room pretty much. <laughs> you just got mercy ruled. Go to your room. <laughs> you <know? laughs> so, um, so I go back to my room, and I call. You know, I had a great relationship with my grandmother, and um, – I called her up and I told her what had happened and, you know, we were both hardcore U of L fans. And at that point in time, uh, coach Patino was bringing the program back. He had built it. He was building it back up. And I told my grandmother, I said, I don't think Rick Patino could fix this. And she goes, no, but you can. And man, I tell you what, it was just like, let's go. And I heard that. I was like, okay, I can fix this, you know? And, uh, it didn't translate to wins, but for some reason, I still felt like I fixed a lot of it. You know, we fixed a lot of it, me and the, me and the kids. So um, that's what kept me going. Um, it took a lot, <laughs> but uh, it's what kept me going. So. Okay. Um, what was the some of, like, the parents' thoughts on the, the season and just – in general, how were the parents over there? Uh, the first half of the season was tough because communication was so bad. That's on me. Um, a uh, good lesson for any coaches, young coaches, especially listening to this, um, uh, parents that, uh, parents that are not kept in the loop are unsupportive parents. Um, and I did a bad job communicating with them. I, I eventually fixed that. I think now if you, if you were to ask parents what some of my strengths were as a coach, if they were evaluating me, they'd say, Jay over communicates and um but we were still a, a minute away from that uh so a lot of the parents though weren't happy with my yelling I yelled a lot that year um and when you add losing to that it's almost a guarantee they're going to speak up I think a lot of that too was the fact that the program changed coaches every year so I'm guessing they didn't see much of a reason to invest in me um, but we did have some supportive parents who were able to keep things in perspective. Uh, we really did. Warren East had some great parents. Um, I think relations improved when a dad asked me, like towards the end of the season, I had, uh, it was Tyler Gee's dad. He asked me if I planned on coming back next year. And I, of course there was, I couldn't believe he, I didn't know why he was asking me. Of course I am. You know? And I, that was my response. Like, yeah, why? You know? And I think, the question shocked me, but my answer shocked him even more. And I think that developed some trust. Um, so from that point on, I think the people who were being supportive were way more vocal and drowning out those who stayed negative. And we did have some negativity. Um, <laughs> and to those parents' credit, they were very patient, uh, the supportive ones. Um, but, a, but I'm here to tell you, a coach that yells too much is bound to have a tough time earning parents' trust. It's funny. When you are a coach and you yell a lot and you win – You'll hear you'll you'll hear parents saying, "Oh, I love how intense he is. I love where she is. I love how in your face that coach is." But when you're losing, all of a sudden the conversation becomes, "You know, I really don't like the way uh, that coach has talked to my kid." <laughs> it's funny how that works um, <laughs> when it's really the same way. Um, I think one of the biggest mistakes that coaches make is to allow one or two unhappy parents ruin a successful moment with the program. We had some good moments. Uh, that season um, we didn't win um, but the, we did we, we still had some decent moments um, and we had it seemed like almost every time we had a parent or one or two parents complain about something or bring up something negative and guess what that was what I cussed about on the way back to campus I'd be driving back to campus and I'd be thinking about that and we can't do that as coaches 
95 95% of coaches are are guilty of that and that's why it's so hard to keep coaches right um i allow that to happen too much uh and the bottom line is is we have to remember as coaches that parents there's always going to be unsatisfied parents somewhere in the crowd success usually keeps them quiet if you win it usually keeps them quiet in most cases um, but you got to remember, too, we're not above criticism either, even if we are successful. So when we get that email asking, you know, after we won 3 nothing, and you get that email asking why their kid didn't play more, you know, don't get up and start cussing. You're not above that. We're not above that. These parents want, number one, they want to know that their investment of time, they're getting a return on it. But second, they want to know that their kid has a fair shot. I don't blame them. I don't blame them. But we can't. We're going to wear ourselves out. We're going to burn ourselves out if we keep getting mad about every every disagreement we hear from a parent. And so I would say overall, uh, Warren East, uh, for the most part, we had a terrific group of parents, no doubt. That's good. It's good to have that. Uh, so what were you most proud of in that season? Um, the leadership that the boys displayed by just not packing it up and us canceling games for the rest of the season. Um uh, you know, Chris, I'm going to tell you right now, and uh, you can be honest. Um, there are probably kids on that uh, on that Butler sideline that you would think would probably pack it up over a season like that. Am I right? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. I mean, I think yeah, we had we've had kids like that at Fairdale. Um, I know I had them at Franklin Simpson. Um, so we'd know days in advance of a game we were looking at having only one sub or ten JV players, right? I mean. We just we at least we could for the most part we could plan for it. Okay, I got one sub for this varsity game. How am I gonna make this work? Um, so remember your question like a few weeks ago when you asked about the number situation and all that. This is where mm-hmm. I got that. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is where that that became a skill. I mean, you know, yes, give me that game with only one sub. I'll show you. you know? um, so, but check it out. Looking, you know, looking here in present day. One of the biggest gripes I have about I, I had about coaching at JCPS is that I get mad, and it happens other places too, not just the school district. But it makes me mad when schools here in JCPS or anywhere else for that matter cancel games over not having enough players eligible or on the roster when they have eleven or twelve kids that can play. That's enough to play in, right? So, yeah, definitely. So yeah. take your whooping, grow as a team, and develop your freaking program, coaches. You know, get your kids eligible earlier. Get your kids out there earlier. My teams at East did it. Tough. You know, and these kids and leaders within that school at East. Um, and this is, and hey, this is why schools, I know I'm lecturing a lot tonight. Forgive me. I'm on a roll. I've had, this is, I'm passionate about the season because I feel like there's a lot. Number one, I have to, I have to defend it. But two, like, how in the world does this happen? But, yeah, there was a lot of good that went on, and these kids made those things happen. Um, and this is why schools have to do a better job of seeing what's going on within their programs, even if they're not winning. Quit looking at the win-loss records. Athletic directors, go out, watch how hard your kids are working. Hey, I want to tell you what, uh, RADs at Fairdale, the, the nine years I was there, they saw how hard we were. They'd be out there on, uh, in the Gator uh, coming and watching our practices just like every day. They saw how hard we were working. Do that with everybody. Um, they weren't great at that at East. Um, so that doesn't mean inspiring things aren't happening. All right? Those boys were inspiring. To this day, seeing, I can still see Tyler Gee busting his butt down the sideline going after a ball every game. And it was all because he was tired of losing, right? Still gets my adrenaline going. And that be, kind of became our philosophy. Because of that, when the season ended in the, in the district tournament, it ended with a really positive vibe. I mean, that group of kids was now ready to win games, and they knew it. Unfortunately, we were just going to have to wait till 2006. So I'm, okay. proud, I'm proud of that from those guys. I really am. For sure. I mean, like I said a few weeks ago, that, that, that in general is more important than any win, I think. Just the willingness to stay together and just – fight together as a team. I think that's really- here's some, right. And Chris, here's something to think about as well. Um, and you know, if you ever, if you ever decide you want to go into coaching, but it's even something as a writer, you need to pay attention to when you're covering teams, 
look how hard they're working, right? Even the bad teams, right? So if you're ever interviewing a coach, and you know, maybe that's the first question you ask that coach, Chris, how, um, uh, how proud of you are about your team's effort tonight. Let them know from the get-go that you see the effort. It's just, you know, there's, there's a talent disparity. You see what I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah, let them know that because when, when the effort is there, anything is possible. Anything is possible. And that's why I believed in this group of kids. I believe that, you know what, if I stick around here longer than enough, we can take down one of these, one of these bullies in the yard. We really can. We almost did. <laughs> we almost did. Eventually. So uh, did, did you promote like a more defensive style? Um, a little bit. Like if we played, um, if we played a team that we knew had a, had a really, uh, like had a go-to player, he saw most of the ball. Uh, we would probably, we would stick somebody like Marcus Mellencamp was good for that. He's probably our most athletic player. Maybe, um, maybe our most athletic player, but, uh, he was our most skilled player and he would just bird dog a kid all game. Uh, I know when we played Graves County, um, they had a kid that was scoring, I think it was coming off a 33 goal season or something like that. And I told, I had Marcus, I mean, we had one sub that game I said, Marcus, I don't know if you're going to get to uh, sub out or not, but you're going to you're going to stick with Zach Sims all game. You're going to follow him all over the field, wherever he goes, you go. And um, he did that. Uh, we would do things like that, like I call it bird dog somebody, right? But for the most part, we played everybody straight up. It never once crossed my mind for us to pack it in. And when I say pack it in, guys, I'm meaning like stick all the defenders in the box and you know, leave one striker up top. I'm no, I, I, I've never, I've never had it in me to want to do that. Um, and I did, we didn't do that even against the more dominant teams on the schedule. Bowling Green, Greenwood, look at this, look at, this, go ahead, look at the, uh, uh, I don't know if you, Chris, I don't know if you have the score, the scores from that season in front of you. We had, no, I don't. We, I'll get that. Yeah, up. go ahead, pull it up because we've got, I'm looking at one, two, three, four, five, five games. We've got two seven nothing losses, but five mercy rule games, right? Five in a row? No, not five in a row. It felt like it sometimes. No, <laughs> just five. now we had two in one week from Bowling Green and Greenwood, right? Now check that. Now look at that. Um, here's the thing about that. Uh, am I a bad coach for not for not just saying after we got down five or six nothing? Am I a bad coach for for? not sticking everybody in the box and saying, okay, well, we're, we're at least only going to lose seven, nothing, or we're only going to lose. I mean, no, because what would they learn from that? Correct. I mean, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, there's a few schools that do that, but I, I never understood it. Well, here's what's funny, right? So, um, you know, in our first game against Warren Central, I had our best players on defense and it didn't matter because we were down six, nothing at the half anyway. Uh, we got mercy ruled, Right. So here's the thing. You can either play to win or you can play to lose. I feel like packing it in, parking the bus, whatever you want to call it, I feel like you're playing to lose when you do that. I don't like the message that, you know, parking the bus in front of the goal, I don't like the, way, I don't like the message that sends to your players or your parents. To me, that tells your kids they can't win a game playing the opponent straight up. Did Muhammad Ali, think about this for a second, did Muhammad Ali or Mike Tyson or Vander Holyfield, did they ever win any boxing matches by crawling up in the fetal position? And just taking punch after punch. No. Right? So, you know, and I always snicker too. Here's what's funny. We play these other teams. Let's <clears throat> say, I don't know, I'm not going to say names. Uh, but we'd play other teams that would have their way with us, right? And they wouldn't mercy rule us, but they'd have their ways with us. And it was like their one win of the year, one or two, three wins of the year. So they would ridicule us, right? They would be soaking it up. Hey, we're getting our win today for the year. And it was always funny to me. Because when I'd see them play Bowling Green or Greenwood, guess what I'd find them doing? What's that? Packing it in. Right? And I'm sitting there laughing because, hey, at least we had the balls to play Bowling Green and Greenwood straight up. You see what I'm saying? Right. You know, I just think it sends you – know, 2005 was all about becoming – having and becoming a team and developing a culture. Um. Uh, I wanted our program to become known as one that didn't back down from a fight. And we became that because we played teams straight up. You know, uh, we might've gotten a few black eyes in the process, 
But at the end of the season, we were still standing. So um, it, it teaches nothing. You know, go on to the next question. You're going to get me fired up. <laughs> okay. Uh, where, where did you see improvement from beginning to the end of the season? Let's see. Well, improvement. It would come in pieces. Um, we started from ground zero at Warren Central. I mean, we had kids that game, first game of the season. We had kids starting that were literally at their first practice the day before. We had a kid named Josh Mansfield that we called Sneaks because he had tennis shoes on in a varsity game against Warren Central. His first practice was the day before, and he was starting varsity at forward for us that day. Um, when he got cleats finally, we highlighted him. And we said, hey, man, good job. You got your cleats. Sneak. He, and to this day, <laughs> we still call him Sneaks. So, now, Did he get a red card for that? Or no, I know. Okay. And, here's, and hey, yeah. yeah, all right. So here's the thing about that. The referees, we'll get to the referee. We'll talk about the referees in a sec here in a second. But they were a really great group of guys. They recognized that hey, this isn't going to be much. You can probably tell from the be- from the start of the game, this isn't going to be much of a. <laughs> so we're going to spare them that. If he had given us a red card, we would have had like no subs for the next game. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, nowadays it's just, you know, they they wouldn't let that. Fly, Maybe not. I think. <laughs> I mean, at least, at least not any refs that I know. Uh, well, that, that's a whole separate discussion, Chris. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, you know, in our second game against Barron County, we were down 2 nothing at the half in large part because we man-marked on defense. Um, and then I changed it at halftime and screwed the whole thing up, and we lost 7 nothing. But there's a backstory behind this, right? And it's cringeworthy. Like, I look back on this and I cringe, right? And, um, but you're going to appreciate it too, Chris. So we, you know, I think it was, we played Warren Central on a Thursday, I think it was. And one of my best, or my best friend I've had known since like second grade, he calls me up and he says, and you know, yeah, we're huge wrestling fans, you know, maybe not as much now, but at that time he says, Hey, I got, I got tickets to SummerSlam. Right, and uh, it's like, really? In, in DC? He said, "Yep, we're going. Let's go." It's <laughs> like, all right. So literally, we flew out <laughs> Saturday morning, right? And we we did DC as much as you could in uh, two days. Went to the house where Lincoln died. Um, they don't have the bed the right way. It was supposed to be another way, and they don't have it the right way there. Whatever. Um, Smithsonian, all that stuff. Um, so. We go to SummerSlam and everything, you know, HBK and Hulk Hogan and all that stuff. Well, the next morning, and I'm thinking, <laughs> I know I have a game Monday night against Barron County, right? It's at 530. We're flying out, you know, we're flying out, uh, you know, a, we got a 830, 840 flight out of D.C. We're going to get back to Nashville. I'll be back in time, no problem. <clears throat> well, we missed the flight. <laughs> So um, now kudos to my friend Curtis. He was uh, Curtis Haynes. Uh, he was uh, him and uh, Ricky Ricardo Puerto. Uh, I, I knew Curtis from living in the dorm at Western, and he was a soccer guy. And then Ricardo was a soccer guy as well, and I knew him from playing intramurals. Right? I called them. I was like, "Hey, I need you guys." They were my assistant coach. They were set to be my assistant coaches. I was like, "Hey, I need you guys to. Uh, <laughs> I need you guys to go uh, hold down the fort for me. I'm on my way. I'm just going to be late." And let's keep in mind, they hadn't been to a single practice yet. So <laughs> they're going to walk in and show up and be like, uh, yeah, I'm your, your assistant coach. And coach is on his way at some point. Right? Well, um, what, what was it? So we missed the flight. And the next flight is, out of D.C. is like at 11 o'clock. Well, the game's at 530 back in Bowling Green. Then I've still got to rush from Nashville. Correct? And... So we fly back, uh, we fly back to to Nashville, and um, have to still go back to Murfreesboro, which is south of Nashville, to get my stuff. All right, so we had to do that, and I'm just racing. And then, I mean, by the time I think, by the time I got back to Bowling Green, I, uh, um, I think the game had started, and I rushed back to my, you know, my room <laughs> that I was subleasing. And I grabbed my coaching bag and everything, but I forgot to change shirts. Well, unfortunately, you're going to laugh at this, Chris. I still had on my Hulkamania shirt that I bought. (laughs) 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 
Yeah. Oh, my so, like I said, it's cringeworthy. So I. How many kids uh, knew who well, that they, was? The whole, well, they didn't know yeah. because I got back to um, I got back to East, and it was in the middle of the first half, and. I ran into the office and I realized, holy crap, I still got my whole comedian. Oh my God, I can't go. This is going to look so bad. This is a bad look anyway, but this is going to look so bad if I roll in with this shirt on. So I look in the closet uh, that we had in our office and there was a, like a, you know, at that time I could have pulled, luckily I was able to pull it off, but it was like a, uh, might've been a, a, a small or a youth large warranty soccer shirt. And I put that on. And ran out there, and I mean, it still looks like a medium, even even in two thousand five. And I, <laughs> so, but here's where where it's uh, earlier on Instagram, I posted a, a picture of a, a vomit bag. Did you see this? Instagram and Twitter, yeah, I posted I a picture of a vomit bag from the airplane, and I had written down the kid, the starting lineup, and the substitution pattern on that vomit bag. Right. Well. I didn't make it to the game in time, obviously. Um, it was close to halftime by the time I got out there. And the score was only uh, only like 2 nothing. Curtis had done a decent job, right? We were playing Barron County, and um, one of the biggest mistakes that I made, and I still cringe at it, I totally undid, every, undid everything Curtis uh, had put in place. He had us man-marking, and the boys were doing a really good job defending. And... Um, I said, all right, now we're going back to the spot, the spot, the spot. And we ended up losing like seven, nothing. And at the end of the game, uh, I'm still so, I really want to be apologetic over it, but I was a hothead. I was terrible at games. Like I was good in practices, like teaching and everything. But when it came to the games, I was just, um, I needed to chill. And I showed the kids the vomit bag. I was like, you know what I want to use this for right now? I just watched that whole second half. What a what a heel! So, I'm a, if any of them are listening, guys, I'm sorry. I love you. I'm sorry. I hope you can forgive me for that. I think they did, but still, it was it was bad. So, um, but that was the the story for that Barron County game. I know that I got off on a tangent there, but it was worth it. Uh, let's see. Um, um, we did score in a 12-2 loss against Christian County. We went to Christian County and we were just, that team was just, number one, it was like a really, really, um, their, their fields down at Christian County are really, really nice, right? So if you're a team that's not used to a high speed of play, you're going to be in trouble against them because they can move the ball in those fields, right? Well, Christian County is only about two hours from, uh, maybe less than two hours from my home. My stepdad, or at least my mom, was going to come to the game, right? And there were things like outside of school, outside of soccer, that uh, I really wasn't happy with at the time. And so I just someday, hey, when you're 21, you still need your mom, right? So we're at the game, and I see a van pulling into the parking lot, and I swore up and down it was my mom. And I took a closer look. I took a closer look uh, at the inside who was driving. It wasn't my mom, you know. And, uh, that just, uh, you know, that just ruined my mood for the rest of the night. We ended up, uh, losing 12 to two. We were down like, I think seven, nothing at halftime. Um, we did score a goal. We did manage to score a goal for the first time that season. So that was a plus. And then, you know, we were, we were playing hard. The kids were playing hard and I was doing a very, because I was so upset and I was all in my feelings. Um, the, um, I didn't recognize it. And that's on me. Coaches, don't get in your feelings. Quit throwing fits on the sideline. Pay attention to what's going on. Pay attention to the good things that are going on. And um, they, it was the weirdest own goal I've ever seen. Like the defender from Christian County was trying to clear it, and he decided like to clear it across the field with his left foot. And he ended up kicking it into the goal from like outside the penalty to kick box, like, almost like a, as if it was a free kick or as if he was shooting. So I don't know if he had money on the game or, but, or what, what the spread was supposed to be. But um, uh, anyway, and after the game was over, the kids were talking to their parents on the, on, over on the opposite sideline. And I was, like I said, I was in my feelings and I yelled. I yelled at the kids, on the bus now. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done that. And, yet, and guess what? There were still parents who were willing to be patient with me after that. I still can't believe it. Um, but I felt really bad. You know, always have. Um, 
you know, we had a two nothing lead in the second half out of Dare County before we got tired and gave up two goals. Uh, and then a handball in the box for a PK. Now check this out. This is where it gets crazy. The kids are busting tail and two minutes to go in the game or not two, two minutes to go. We're up two nothing with 20 minutes to go. We're thinking this is it. We're going to get it. Yes. Right. And, uh, we gave up a goal. You know, I was like, crap. Okay. Well, hey, let's keep playing. And then, um, Adair, I think they scored off a free kick off a terrible call. I think it was, I can't remember. Um, but they scored a second goal, right? Now, this is the part where I do remember clearly. Adair, um, you know, we were we were trying to score, you know, to break the tie. We, we passed the ball or took a shot on goal, and it hits an Adair County player right in the palm of his hand, the ball does, inside the 18. No penalty kick called. No handball called, right? Goes down the other end. We're talking five minutes left to go in the game. Uh, they're trying to score. The ball bounces and hits one of our players in the hand inside the 18. Penalty kick called. Adair County scores, and they win the game. Oh, yeah. Gosh. Dude, I, I'm here to tell you, if, as a coach, one of the hardest things you can do is to see your kids work as hard as they did. And that, by that point, I was starting to recognize that the kids were working hard. Uh, the JV had won the game that night. That was their, their only win of the season. Uh, so there was a little bit of a bright spot, but um, you see the kids crying on the side on the down at the corner flag after the game and everything. When I'm trying to, it just man, I just got tired of it. I was like, I'm tired of seeing these kids bust their tail and they can't catch a break. So, dude, I took the corner flag and I threw it in the direction of the referees. Now they were clear on the opposite end of the field on their way out, but I threw it in their direction, just hoping. I don't know. I was, I guess, I was some thinking I was some Mayan warrior throwing a spear or something. I don't know, but I'd had it. And to this day, I don't know if they saw that or not, or I don't know if the referee saw that or not. Um, I wouldn't do it again, but you know what? I'm glad I'm glad I did it because it showed the kids how upset I was for them. And it, you know, it helped release a little bit of, of my own frustration. Um, <laughs> so um, just, just brutal. Um, let's see. Um, other improvements. Uh we were tied nothing. Check this out. Um, we were tied nothing, nothing against 25th ranked Graves County until the last few, few minutes. And by the way, that was after getting mercy ruled twice that week by Bowling Green and Greenwood. So talk about the resilience of these kids, right? Um, against Grayson County, last game of the season. Um, and at that point, hey, listen, at that point, I still believed we were going to get a win. I never really believed we were going to go winless, right? And we're up two minute, two one. Uh, everything was going our way against Grayson County last game of the season. Um, and like, I'd even like, we scored to go ahead two by one, two to one. And I'm yelling at the referee it was Richard Terry. I'll never forget. And, um, it was off a corner kick and the ball nails a Grayson County defender right in the hand. And I'm screaming bloody murder for a, for a handball. And Marcus gets the Marcus Mellencamp gets the rebound and drills it with his left foot for us to go up two one. And Richard looks at me, he goes, "You still want that handball?" I was like, "Nope, we're good, we're good." <laughs> <clears throat> now, Chris, in that situation, do you think I should have gone ahead? We're talking in the second half here. Do you think I should have gone, should have gone ahead and parked the bus and tried and got the win? Uh up two one. Last uh, last chance at a win for the year. What? This wasn't a district game, nope. right? Uh no. Okay. I don't think okay. so. Okay. Well, let's see. Uh, here's the thing about bad teams have bad things happen to them, right? And they tend, one thing that I've noticed in soccer, especially on the high school level, bad teams give up goals at the end of the half. And we gave up a handball towards the end of the game. Two minutes to go, I think it was, and um, they got a penalty kick. Well, this time our keeper, who was a freshman, Joe Lowe, he had grown so much that year. I mean, he was probably got. He may have gotten most improved that year. I can't remember. Uh, Joe stopped the penalty kick, and here's where I, my my blood gets pumping watching goalies. Joe is on his knees on the ground, and he gets a, he doesn't get up all the way, but the rebound is goes right back to the Grayson player, and he shoots again. And Joe still on his knees gets up and knocks the ball down again. The rebound comes to another Grayson player. He fires it. Joe still on his knees lays out and stops another one. Right, and then Grayson got the third try or fourth, however, whatever you're counting, and they drilled it to tie the game, and we had to settle for a tie. 
Yeah. I mean, that's just those things. When you're coaching a young team, uh, an inexperienced team, one thing they tend to do is they tend to ball watch. And there was a lot, Joe gave us a lot to watch in that situation. He was freaking awesome and gave up a tie. So, and then in the uh, here's where we're set up for 2006. We go to the district tournament. I told the kids, I was like, I don't know what's going to happen, but let's go out and have fun. All right. And we held central to, uh, we held central scoreless the first 20 minutes. Um, and that was an improvement from the opening game. We lost five, nothing. Um, central's coach didn't give us credit at all in the paper and said his guys were just rusty. And so my guys saw that and we officially had our bulletin board material for 2006. So, um, there was improvements, man. It was just a different, as far as what the kids learned and, and, you know, their approach to the game. They were learning how to win, and when you're doing that, um, improvement shows in bits and pieces here and there. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, this is kind of insignificant, but I noticed you scheduled – you played a few teams twice. Like, what's the – what was the purpose behind that? Was there just not a lot of schools out there? Or? Um, let's see. Looking at uh, – I think you played, you played at Dare County twice. Well, I didn't – actually, I didn't make that schedule. Uh, the coach that was there, that uh, was there, uh, the head coach the year before, he had made it. Um, <laughs> I would have never put Bowling Green and Greenwood in the same week. Um, <laughs> with the team that we had coming back, I never would have. I probably would have done Russellville first game and then Warren Central or Barron County. Uh, you'll see a big difference. When we do 2006 later on in the year, you're going to see a big difference in the schedule. Um, Adair was uh, – I mean – he scheduled he scheduled to you know as light as he could for because he knew of the personnel that was coming back um right so coaches tend to do that i just would have done it in a different order you also notice that grayson county has a blank score there that should that yeah, that, that should does. be a forfeit uh they were supposed to come to us and i think yeah and this was after Barron county we th- we felt or this was after we tied russellville right so we felt like we had some momentum <laughs> we okay we're we're ready to you know, we were in position to, we had a good practice and everything. And then Grayson uh, cancels because all their kids like got into a fight or something and had to go to detention. Oh, and God. so they canceled. <laughs> so now again, I'm going to go back on it. If they had 11 or 12 players, they should have come and that should be a forfeit. So uh, I'm going right. to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to die on that hill. And you'll also notice uh, we were supposed to play Glasgow um, earlier in September, but there was a certain event going on. Uh, and we felt like we could beat Glasgow. It was like, okay, that's a team we should beat. Let's get ready for them. Um, and we were, I think we were in position to, but um, Hurricane Katrina had uh, was happening that week, and uh, we were feeling, uh, weather-wise, we were feeling the effect. Rained and rained and rained for like three days straight, and we had to cancel the Glasgow game. Stupid Katrina. So, yeah. Uh, why do you think you won Coach of the Year? I have no idea. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and take this opportunity to get props to the soccer refs down that way in the Bowling Green Owensboro area. They're an incredible group of guys, um, at least at that time. I don't know if how many of them are still refereeing. Um, they were the ones who voted on the postseason awards, and I'm not sure why they voted for me. I'm hoping it was because they recognized the work I was putting in, and therefore they saw the improvement in our team from week to week. Otherwise, I don't know. I really hope it wasn't, uh, you know, hey, man, we feel bad for you type thing. I don't think it was, but I hope it wasn't. <sighs> but with that group of refs, as much as I might have yelled at them, um, I always felt like they had my back. Um, I could run into those guys out at the store and have a great conversation with them. And it's going to sound bad, but that probably wouldn't happen here in Louisville, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> now, if I ran into George Huffman or Victor Petroni, I'd stop and talk to him. And there's probably a few others I'm forgetting right now that I would stop and have a chat with. Um, funny story. Uh, one official, um, carded me a couple of years ago and I, it was just cause I just let her have it. She, one of my kids got taken down from behind and I just tore into her. Right. Well, a few days later, she shows up at one of my family reunions. <laughs> and, What's the relationship? I think there? she was dating my, one of my dad's cousins. Right. So, and guess what? I still didn't talk to her. <laughs> <laughs> so but yeah um i'll name drop here ronnie cowan mandy love chris durbin nathan love mike stewart richard terry they're a great group of refs that i'm just guessing i'm hoping they saw how hard i was working and they threw me a bone maybe 
Um, but I need to make it clear. I would have traded in that trophy for one win that year. No questions asked. Um, and I think we need to see more coaches get recognized that maybe are putting in the work for their programs, but they're just buried by their district or region. I hate that. That's, that's, it's just not fair. Um, right now here in Kentucky, I guarantee you we have at least a dozen coaches busting ass and it's just not translating because of talent pool or their districts and regions on the high school level. Let's look beyond the records and pay attention to the practices and relationships those coaches are building. Uh, we got to do more of that. Um, I think we keep more coaches if we do that. Um, I'm not saying we need to give them a participation trophy, uh, but we got to recognize these people uh, more often because uh, there's some coaches in this state that are doing work. They just don't have the talent. They just don't have the facilities. Um, but that doesn't mean that, that they're not uh, they're not putting in work. Right. Uh, how young is too young for a coach to have a program, do you think? I say if you're 21. I think I think if you're 21 and you want to coach, you need to be on a sideline somewhere. Now, I really believe that. Uh, if you feel like you're ready, go give it a shot. Um, now, when you're 21, um, yeah. the worst thing – okay, the worst thing I did when I was 21, yeah, I went to D.C. to go see SummerSlam. Okay. That's not the case for other 21-year-olds. Um, so they've got to live a responsible lifestyle. Um I think for the most part I did that. Um, but I'd say if you want to do it, I say go for it. Um, I loved how long – think about it this way. Um, I loved how long I felt like I had been doing this by the time I turned 30, if that makes sense. When I turned 30, I felt like I'd been coaching for 15 years. And really and truly it had only been 9 or 10. So um, I love that. Uh, I'll, yeah. I just – there's a certain pride that goes with that. So if you're ready to do it and you're 21, give it a shot. You know, you probably won't get the best program to work with, but um, it's a it's a great opportunity for you to grow. Okay. So what what advice would you give to young coaches that are looking to break through? Um, don't be afraid to lose. Take your whoopings. Um, always be willing to learn. Uh, listen to your players. Uh, trust your instincts and watch your back. Yeah, I mean that's. I don't know if you can, you know, simplify that anymore. And what you said, that's. Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of hard lessons, man. <laughs> Listen, I mean, and one thing I need to point out from this from this season, 2005. You know, I might have, you know, I won my hundredth game uh, last fall, right? And. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've made too big a deal of it or not, but when you look back and see, when you look back and see what the kind of seasons I've gone through, it's an accomplishment. It's a, it was a long, slow crawl and 2005 was, was a part of that. Now it doesn't mean I didn't enjoy the part of the journey. Uh, I, I got to coach some great kids. Um, and at East that's no, they're no exception. Um, but, um, uh, all the all this advice comes from somewhere. There are stories behind it, and we'll get to tell those stories. So I'm excited about that. Okay, here's a here's a question here. Uh, why do you think communities have uh, gaps in talent between schools? <sighs> okay. Um, well, Bowling Green was a little unique at that time. You're talking four high schools, right? Um, you had Bowling Green, Greenwood, and, and Warren Central all within probably a five-mile radius of each other, I would guess. Now, Warren East, I don't know if it was so much. I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's a socioeconomic thing. Out at Warren East, though, it's a, it's a rural school um, out in, the, out in the, the legit county area of Bowling Green. Um, uh, and I think when you are – and it, it's, it really is a referendum on soccer in rural areas. Again, one thing I'm trying to do is step to the ball soccer training. I want to go to the rural areas of Kentucky and work with these programs and work with these youth leagues and uh, get them going in the right direction, show them what else they could do to develop, to raise their game, right? In this case, Warren East, um, out, it's a very blue-collar community. Um, East was uh, – is a lot of fun. So there's a lot of kids that, uh, when they're, um, you know, when it comes time for summer practices, they'll, they'll, they'll come to practice once the farm work is done. Think about that. 
Does that make sense? They'll come to practice once. They'll come to practice once uh, all the hay has been hauled. Okay. Now, let's, I hope that doesn't sound stereotypical because not. Those were my observations from when I was there. A lot of factories in that area. You have a lot of parents that can't send their kids to, you know, can't get their kids to practices because they're working third shift. Got a lot of parents can't come to games because they're working third shift. So um, <clears throat> there's some. It, it's a blue collar area, and when you got parents that are working so hard for, you know, for their paychecks, they want to know that uh, there's an uh, the they're getting a return on the investment. Um, and if they don't think club soccer is worth the money, if they don't think that, um, if they don't think, uh, uh, you know, high school soccer is worth the money, they're not going to fool with it. Um, whereas in, you know, further into Bowling Green, you had, you had families that, uh, were probably more willing to make that investment. Um, they saw uh, a return on it, um. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think what else I could say as far as as far as that goes. Uh, soccer in rural America um, struggles because um, uh, you know baseball still dominates out in those areas. Softball, um, basketball, football. So, <clears throat> and you know, East was no different. Now. Uh, those sports uh, weren't dominating at that time either. Softball has become really good there, I've noticed. Um, but at that time, nobody was, <laughs> you know, nobody was uh, competing with Bowling Green, Greenwood, or Warren Central. And uh, a lot of that is because, hey, you know, those, those schools are playing sports. That's great. We're working. Yeah. So and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just the way, that's just the way it lays out. And I get the feeling it's that way in other communities as well. Right. So uh, this is kind of off topic, yeah. but I had to ask. So, do you remember much of the Hulk Hogan <laughs> Shawn Michaels match? Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> uh, that's exactly what I remember. <laughs> so, um, yeah, was... you know, it was uh, you know, Shawn Michaels got his workout that night, uh, just bouncing everywhere. It was funny to watch. It was, it was, it was fun. Right. He's probably like the best seller. Dolph Ziggler is another good one uh, too. Yeah, I mean that's that's part of it. You better be good at that if you're going to make your money. Yeah, I mean, that was just... I remember I used to have that on DVD. I don't have it anymore, but... It, I, I don't really remember much from that show besides that match. I think the undercard was a bit weak. I know they had a Benoit and Orlando yep. Jordan. Yep, it, yep. Before, it, before yeah. Benoit became Benoit, yeah. Um, so, yeah, fire it up on the network. You'll check it out. So, what else you got? Is that it? What do you yeah. think? What else you got? Uh, yeah, just give us an update on the book. Dude. How's that going along? And I know you had your first training session today. Talk about that. <sighs> we had our first yeah. training session today. We had three kids. So we were able to pull it off uh, following the CDC guidelines. And so I'm really excited about that. Um, uh, we did, we worked on uh, first touch. We worked on uh, dribbling. We worked on uh, passing a little bit. Uh, kids are eager to learn. I mean, when you, when usually when you are offering training sessions, you're getting kids that are eager, eager to learn. Right. Which means they can improve and um, they're, they're going to improve. I really believe that. I'm excited to see uh, where these kids go. I'm working with two brother and sister duo right now that it looks like I'm going to have them all summer for three days each week. And uh, that's going to be fun. I think that's I think they're going to benefit from this big time. Uh, As far as the book goes, man, the book is happening. It is under is being manufactured right now as we speak. Um, Things are happening. This is going to happen in. Uh, sometime between July and August, I'm hoping I can do some signings in a couple locations. I got with uh, Soccer Village yesterday and talked to them. Of course, they gave me the manager, or not the managers, but somebody's number, and I got to call them. But I think uh, I guess I think we're gonna see some movement. We're gonna see that book on some shelves before school starts back. I think. Um, yeah, and then of course we've got uh, um, you know, we've got the podcast rolling. So. I'm staying busy. Chris, sounds like you're staying busy between this and Aspen Creek and getting ready for college. It's a busy time, man. <laughs> crazy, crazy time. Yeah, I mean, I just – I got something from <clears throat> college today about uh, scheduling an appointment to pick my classes. So, yeah, it's starting to mm-hmm. feel pretty real yep. now. Yeah, <laughs> it, it will. It will at 8 o'clock on uh, Monday mornings this fall for you. <laughs> so, yep. Yeah. Okay, well, anything else? Oh, that's it. I think next week we're 
kind yeah. of going a different direction, right? The top yep. five. I hope you got. Him, I hope you got it ready. We're gonna we're gonna yeah. unplug for a week and uh, you know be uh, fanboys, and uh, it should be interesting. I hope you got your five ready. I'm gonna poke holes all through them. Now, when you say top five, do you mean like actual like wrestlers or entertainers? Yeah, you got to be able to entertain because otherwise you're otherwise you're looking at putting, because, putting somebody like Benoit in the top five if you're just looking at pure wrestler. Yeah. I'm just, I'll say this: Hulk Hogan was not really the greatest mm-hmm. good entertainer. Yeah, but doing the leg drop and whatever yeah. else. Yeah, uh, I don't know, brother. He was he made a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. You know what? I think yeah. next week. I think the whole podcast. I'm going to do it in the Macho Man's voice. So, no. Nope, there, sorry. I lost you. I think next week I'm going to do it all in the Macho Man's voice. So <laughs> it should That's be well. great. <laughs> so, all right. Well, yeah. let's wrap it up. And uh, Chris, have a great rest of the week. Stay safe, and um, we're gonna get th- we're gonna get through this together, yeah. Louisville, America, <laughs> for that matter. So, yep, we will. We will. All right, man. Good job tonight, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. All right.